Welcome to the Tybee Marine Science Center podcast, an authentic coastal experience. Welcome to the Tybee Marine Science Center podcast. I'm Dee Daniels, and I'm very excited that we are kicking off this inaugural uh, podcast season with Tybee Marine Science Center. This is going to be a fantastic introduction to what is going on here and this beautiful place and this beautiful facility and the wonderful people. Uh, and we're going to introduce everyone that has anything to do with Tybee Marine Science Center here on the podcast. I want to start off with uh, Chantal Odron, Executive Director at Tybee Island Marine Science Center. What a great journey this is going to be as we kick this off. I'm so excited. It's yeah. going to be a really awesome new layer to what we do at the Marine Science Center. We educate in person, and now we're going to get you on the airwaves, too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's talk about who else we have here. Uh, Beth Palmer, Operations Director. Hello. Hi. This is, uh, this is quite a, a fun journey because you, you sort of get to meet all of the people that were at the foundation of what goes on here at Tybee Marine Science Center. And we have Allie Williford, Program Director, as well. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, I know you guys are going to uh, make quite characters on this podcast and people are going to get to know you and all that you do here. Um, let's start by setting the scene and talking about the mission, but also this beautiful facility that did not start in this location. It actually started in a different location, but let's paint a little bit of that picture. So we, um, our mission at the Marine Science Center is to cultivate a responsible stewardship, stewardship, a take action um, for coastal Georgia's natural resources. And we do that through education, our conservation programs and research as well. The history of the Science Center, really, this is this has been a, and continues to be a grassroots operation. We couldn't have been more grassroots at the old Science Center. We would repeatedly say we were small and mighty because we had four rooms to do all that we still continue to do. And, and that was an incredible feat. We were um, teaching in the field, so we didn't need a large space indoors. And so to evolve to this new building, we're mighty and mighty. And so we're rising to the occasion and this new building and putting up awesome exhibits like we did at the old science center, but uh, with a ton of more space and a beautiful new home, thanks to the city of Tybee and our donors. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about a little bit more about that relationship with the city of Tybee. And we're going to be talking about you, just your supporters in general. What a great support system um, that you all have. I, I sort of want to give everybody a, a picture too of, of what goes on here as the family members of the Tybee Marine Science Center. Allie, do you want to talk a little bit about the five permanent residents? Yeah, so we have five permanent residents. So here at the Science Center, we are a catch and release facility. So we do have live animal exhibits, um, but we're really proud of the fact that most of our animals that we have will come into us and then we release them back out. So we go out and catch them ourselves, whether that's, you know, with a Girl Scout group using a big seine net um, during a program um, or us just having some free time during the day to get out and catch on rod and reel. Um, but we'll bring them in, let them educate for a few months at a time and then release. But we do have five permanent residents who have been here with us, um, moved over to this new building with us. So we have two box turtles, Charlie and Zelda. Um, and Charlie is a trip. People come from literally all over the country to see Charlie. I've had people tell me um, like throughout their just 
uh, walking through the gallery that they came back just to see um, Charlie from like Ohio or something crazy. I can see that. Yeah, he's, he's a trip for sure. Um, and then we have our two adult Diamondback Terrapins, Ruby and Pearl. Um, and they were kind of the start of our Head Start Hatchling program. So we have um, rescues for Diamondback Terrapins and they were kind of the beginning of that. So they're the two adults that we can teach about those moms coming over the, the causeway. This is the size of those um, individuals that you would see. And then we have a corn snake, Maze, um, who is a very good starter snake, we like to say, um, because if you have a fear of snakes, which we try and educate why maybe you shouldn't be as scared of them as you think, she's a good starter one because she's very sweet and docile and loves to be handled and loves to cuddle with us. So they made the move too. How, how do you guys ever go home with all of these cuties here? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be a lot harder. Um, it was always a little hard for us to leave. Um, but now we have a, a great staff and a great team. So we're all kind of in it and taking care of it together. And we know that they're good on, a, you know, when we have to go home for a night, which we obviously have to do because we have lives they're taken care of. Um, and we seek to that. So. Yeah, our evolution has allowed us to worry less. You know, there's just a few of us. I was our curator. Allie was our assistant curator. And we did take it home. We would be driving across the causeway worrying. I constantly had a map in my mind of the Science Center. And as I drove um, home, I would make sure I closed every valve. Um, everything was plugged in as it should be. Everyone was safe and fed before we left. So yeah, it's a, a lot of worry to keep your residents alive, but it was our honor and our happiness. And so we did that for a decade and, and, and now we have a team and, and, and then we moved to this beautiful building. And so I almost replaced myself when I started to build uh, the new science center's tank systems because I started to automate things. And so we have our water quality that is constantly probed and reading out on a screen to us. Um, we have a manifold and when we do tank changes, we don't have to take an 80 foot hose out to the drain out back and, and by mouth pull a siphon. So I'm, I'm proud that we've given our next generation an, an easier work day. Um, they don't have to carry home the stress like we did, but we did it with love and with honor. And I wouldn't have changed anything. It's, it makes you who you are. And I'm sure now that my position has changed, I instead am worrying about the humans as I'm going home, about the Science Center and making sure everybody's happy. So it morphs, and, um, but I'm proud. But that was our work for so many years. Yeah, and great work you guys are doing. And and I want to talk a little bit about that. I mean, the growth was, like you said, not just in the building, but it was also with the number of educators you have here. And then also the level of coastal knowledge they all have. This is something where when people come in and visit and, and learn, everyone that's working here has this, this expansive knowledge. Yeah, I think... What makes us so unique at the Science Center is our education staff. I think when you go to a large entertainment aquarium, you're going to speak to a docent or um, a, a non-staff member, perhaps, and it's a volunteer, but what sets us aside and different is that we have stations all over the Science Center that have our staff at them, and our staff are all degreed 
in marine science or biology or zoology or chemistry. And so we're like minds that want to share and give access to all of this awesome stuff that we've done in the field. And so you're not just speaking to somebody who's surely got their fact attacks and and are going to kind of rattle them off to you, but you also get a perspective into our field. I think when we started, people would always say like, this is your job. This is what you do. Are you a volunteer? And it's like, no, like I'm an, this is my life. This is what we do. And, and how lucky we are. And so that's what makes us different that you can come in and talk to somebody and we're going to spend time um, kind of blurting out our love and obsession with marine science. It's our passion and you can't speak to one person in this building without feeling it. And that's what everyone tells us. And no greater thing to hear from people who have visited you that they could feel your passion. And we do it in a really fun, accessible way. We're not very rigid and always using our scientific names. Of course, we learned a long, you know, spent a long time memorizing those, but sometimes that can be a block of communication between you and somebody in the public, especially a five-year-old, right? That's right. If you can interpret to a five-year-old and a 50-year-old, like you've got some magic. And so we're proud to be able to deliver in that accessible way, in a fun way, in a goofy way. Um, I walked past a class this morning and she was making all of her class jump up and down to feel Mm. the vibrations that one would feel if you were a fish and you had a lateral line in your body. I mean, making an education moment physical, um, it's really cool. So I think we've done it right. And that is uh, some awesomeness that we have at the center. Yeah, no doubt. You guys should bottle the awesomeness and sell it somehow. <laughs> I don't know, like in the gift shop. It or... would sell really well. Yeah, <laughs> right? I feel like it would too. Um, yeah, there will not be a test or anything at the end of this episode, but maybe, maybe we can throw out a fact attack. Um, <laughs> yeah. Does anybody have a good fact attack they want to throw out? I, I love the phrasing of that. And I love that you guys just like drop facts on people like, did yeah. you know? Exactly. It's raining cold, hard facts. Grab your umbrella. Yes. I mean, it, it's, it's nerve. <laughs> and it's who we are our friends might not like to go to the beach or marsh with us because we're probably going to tell them uh, what every shell is and what their life cycle looks like and what they like to eat and who they hang out with and that's how we think and talk and I don't think that's something you shut off I definitely don't shut it off I tend to analyze and, and and think about all those things all the time or reading in too much to animal behavior. My dog is probably like, give me a break, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you analyzing me to death? (laughs) Exactly. I'm fine. I'm not breathing heavily. (laughs) Because we would, we would stare at the tank and, and I, I used to think that I was like this hardcore detective, um, like she still does. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like Magoo, right? Yes. And yes. the other day I heard the girls telling a story. So we've handed over the tanks to two new curators, Allie and I. And that's a big thing for us to hand over what we love so much. And they came into one of the systems um, that had overflowed the jelly tank. And so they sat and told me their thought process and what they did and what valves and they were kind of double checking it with me. And I go, yes, that's exactly what I would have done. Awesome. Perfect. And then they go, and then it kept overflowing and we were like, what is going on? And it ended up being a jelly. Um, 
very happily but annoyingly stuck in one of our pipes. And so I said, well, that doesn't happen every day. And we are detectives and magoos. And we're good at figuring that stuff out to make our animals happy. So we are who we are for sure. But um, it was cool to see a new generation kind of stepping into that role of trying to figure out what that system needed, what that animal needed, and no jellies were hurt in the process. Ah, yes. Go, go gadget. You guys have got it down. You guys have got it down. Um, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about, I I know back in 2017, if I'm getting that date right, you you guys developed a new program that would establish the importance of not purchasing animals from the pet trade. And there there is a, a big conversation around that. And I think as well, people know that they can come and visit your residents, your five permanent residents here, and what's that conversation like? What kind of, uh, of uh, public sort of um, feedback do you get from that? And and what's your mission and, and education behind it? And, and not, you know, obviously purchasing animals from the pet trade, but yet having animals here. Yeah, it's a it's a big conversation that you'll get every now and again. Someone will come in and, you know, you're talking about our you know collection protocol and and how we will bring them in and let them educate and release them out. And I've had, I'll never forget it. I had a lady go, well, why do y'all even do this then? Like, like, aren't you breaking your own rule, having these animals even in these tanks? And for one, they think very differently than you and I think. And you always have to to remember that when you're kind of referring to any of these animals that you're going to see here um, at the Science Center. But also you have to make people fall in love to make them care. I have the natural ability, all the people here, right, all of our staff, have a natural ability to care. We just do, you know, we've always felt the love. You can hear us all talk about it. All of us kind of fell in love with the coast early. Some people don't have that. Some people have very big fear of the coast. Some people just don't have as much empathy towards animals um, as others do. And so sometimes you have to bring them in. You have to let people pick up a horseshoe crab in their hand. You have to have them watch a sea turtle swimming around in his tank to, to kind of fall in love and make them care. So it would be great if it would just be as easy as showing them pictures of them and, and, you know, teaching that way. But it, that's just not how it works. You have to bring them in and let them see it and touch it and, and watch their behavior to make them fall in love. And that's what we want when people come here is to fall in love and have the same passion and leave with the same passion that you're, you're going to find in all of our staff members. Yeah, we found the balance in our new collection program. So by letting them only spend a little bit of time with us, we know we're not interrupting their life cycle. They're going to leave us nice and healthy, maybe a little chubbier because they're eating a lot of shrimp and fish gel while they're with us. But the opportunity to be able to introduce an individual within a species to the public is, is you can't replace it. And, and I, I am right there with animal welfare and advocacy, but I'm also a biologist. And I know that um, Shamu is why I knew what a killer whale was when I visited SeaWorld as a two-year-old. It was the first time I got on my feet and like threw my hands over my head and like gave a round of applause for an animal. It was awesome. My parents couldn't believe it because I was quite introverted. And so to see me act out, it's why I do what I do. And, and having a scientist as a, a, a father of my best friend, those kind of moments uh, make you who you are. I think um, if I hadn't met Shamu, uh, I would have met another animal uh, in captivity that would have 
made me become what I am. So I think you have to know an individual to care. And um, that's what we do here. We have animal ambassadors. They're living with us for a short amount of time and specifically our sea turtle, Ike, who is about to be released. And so you meet Ike and you're obsessed with loggerhead sea turtles because you knew what a sea turtle was, but you didn't know what a loggerhead sea turtle Mm -hmm. was. So you meet him and you're like, I care about them. I want to protect them. So if you see legislation or laws being passed about loggerhead sea turtles, you're going to know who it is. And so the introduction to the animals, I think, is paramount to um, what we do here. And they have a good time. It's like a spa while they're hanging out with us. So we call them momentary educators and then they're out on their way. So I think we've done it um, the right way to balance uh, our beliefs and our science and, and the public. That really is the avenue to connection, really, is, is to have that relationship where, you know, a child, an adult, doesn't matter the age, knows the name And then you can associate that with your feelings that you have. And then you want to learn more about this individual, like you said, that you've met. And it's like, okay, well, how do I learn about this? And where can I learn Mm -hmm. about it? And, you know, and then you really kind of get sucked in where you're now protecting that because you've created that connection and the relationship. Yeah. I mean, we call our two Diamondback Terrapin ambassadors, Ruby and Pearl, the golden girls. I mean, how much more accessible can you get to (laughs) like a large range of of generations too? So Charlie and Zelda, every time I see the mayor, she wants to know about how Charlie's doing. Like Ali said, he's impressionable. He's got um, a personality, if you can say that, for a a turtle with no frontal cortex like ours, that kind of, (laughs) has memories and emotions, um, but he sure will convince you because he'll interact with you. He knows what a stimulation response is. So he's enriched by the humans coming in. And I can attest to that. When we went through the pandemic, Addie, who was our last sea turtle we released, was bored in captivity without all of the humans coming in and out of the building. It got quiet. It was just me and my music and I wasn't enough for her. She was used to thousands of adoring fans coming in to see her. So although they're in captivity for this moment, um, the humans that come by and visit them that are, are getting to learn about their life cycles and everything that makes them awesome. Um, kind of a, a mutually beneficial relationship because they're getting a bit of stimulation from that human. And really the, uh, the connection continues. I mean, obviously you guys are working with so many volunteers, so many staff that, that are able to come in and, and give that same connection to the visitors that come in. And so it's, it's all in an effort to kind of pull us all together and say, how can we learn more and do more? It, it feels very like, when you walk in here and you start talking to to one of the educators, it's like, I want to get involved. Like you just feel invigorated. Mm-hmm. And I know that's an intentional thing that you guys have built. It's not something that just happens. Right. It's all because these systems are in place. Mm-hmm. That feeling is happening intentionally. Yeah. I mean, the stewardship in our mission statement is that take action to to have someone continue to think when they leave the building is a really great gift to conservation. 
Um, we love to do our conservation work with our sea turtles or dolphins that come up onto the beach that need um, some, you know, preliminary data for the state to determine its cause of death. We love that, obviously, but it's really the impression of giving them the take action or our sidewalk to the sea students, teaching them starting in kindergarten. And then by the time they finish with us in fifth grade, they have nicknames like Turtle Man and that kind of stuff. So to know that we've left um, a lasting mark is a gift that I don't think any of us knew we were going to receive. You, you three have been working here for a long time in some in some different capacities as well. So it hasn't always been the position that you're in. Um, how, how do you guys think that has shaped the way that you educate? Well, we basically all started on the way we said the ground floor of this place. We all started off as part-time educators and then continued on and did different uh, positions and helped in all different types of departments. Um, and we just kind of helped grow the building as we were growing as well as employees. So, and that helped us with our big move and our new positions that we have as well. We wore all the hats and I think that's what makes us good at our, our current positions. I didn't know that every job you went to, you didn't wear all the hats like this. So I thought that's just the norm and, and how lucky we are to be part-time electricians and plumbers and educators and scientists and now finances for me. I mean, this is such a, a crazy uh, greatness that we get. Um, so I think what makes the three of us unique is that we've been with the science center so long, Beth, the longest, our vet and, Allie was always, for the two of us, like our next generation, that we wanted to make her experience better than our experience was. And and now that's gone down a whole nother generation. And so we hear our isms in the staff as we go through and little things like back to text that we might say on a regular basis. And, and so I hope that because we have held their position at different times in our, our tenure at the Science Center. That makes us a better uh, boss, I hope. I think so. And I think we're always kind of uh, still wanting to scrub a take and still wanting to fix uh, a leak and, and get the physical work in. But I think when you wear all the hats, um, it makes you strong. And I think our, our threesome and, and three of us in our leadership is unique, um, that we... Uh, have the battle scars. We've been in the trenches. Uh, we made the move with five of us. Um, and it was five girls in a U-Haul in like two days of going back and forth from our old little science center to this science center. You think like, oh, they're a huge, gorgeous building. I bet they had these fancy movers. It was us. <laughs> it was us. And we also, yes, we did take a picture of us flexing in nice. front of our U-Haul truck. Um, building all the Ikea. Yes. Building all Every the Ikea. For months. <laughs> Beth is an Ikea expert. Nice. If, need if you can be an Ikea expert. <laughs> I don't know if that actually exists, though. Yeah, yeah. You're just like a material specialist at this yeah. point. You know all the hardware that Ikea has and where You can goes. reach Beth at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that that kind of um, makes us unique. Another kind of fold to the move was a really sweet previous staff member, Joy Davis, was 
always kind of perfectly in town when something <laughs> big was going on with the Science Center. And she didn't even know it, but she kind of, she said, we imprinted on her years ago and she'll always come back to us. And so every time she came into town, probably to surf and hang out, we would be moving or it'd be this next big project. So she was a part of the move. She was one of the five helping us move and she wasn't even on the clock. I mean, that you can't bottle that passion. Yeah. I mean, that she cared to help us move from the old building to the new building while she was on vacation. Um, what an awesome treat. So that's the kind of like connection that we have. I just came across a picture of all of us after that move. We went to... Tubbies, tubbies and we ate because we were famished we looked so rough <laughs> and um we're having a well-deserved cocktail so that picture said it all because it's not you know just a simple team pick like we're embracing each other we're hugging each other so tightly because of what we had just completed and so a bond like that i don't think you ordinarily see between your leadership team it's made us family we refer to each other as sisters, and I would fight for Beth and Allie. Oh, <laughs> so five women and in U-Hauls and five permanent residents. That sounds like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I could totally, we, could, we could have a movie for sure. You could totally make a movie. <laughs> you could totally make a movie. Um, okay, so, I, I mean, obviously the, the support system here has just been amazing, and we talked a little bit about uh, the support system of the city of Tybee and, and just how wonderful all of that is. You know, for those that are not in this area regularly or maybe have never been and are very interested in saying, oh, I want to go there one day and obviously I want to come to the Science Center. Um, talk a little bit about the location and how important this location is and that you guys have really uh, thought out everything. Again, it's all very intentional, like down to the water system here and, and what you're doing in proximity to where you are, to the ocean and, and all of that. Um, and that's been a, a group system process. Yeah, I mean, it took a village, which is why we got this awesome support from City of Tybee and our board of directors. And so our board um, has allowed us, our trustees, a, a huge support system. Um, our previous president was Kathy Sackis. She started as all of our mentors. We would watch videos of her, the coastal naturalist. I remember the first time we all met her. I remember the first time she came to my house and identified one of my fossils. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> like, life is good and I'm fine now. Um, and she was integral. And our, our previous executive director, who was so integral in determining what this building would look like, what color it would be, that it, it won, we wanted it to blend in with the dunes. It was purposeful, all of those things. And then down to the tank systems um, with Allie and myself. And so making it easier on the next generation, not having to have an 80 foot hose and great lung power to pull a siphon. Um, having a generator. So when oh it storms um, and the power goes out, we don't have to pull out a hundred different extension cords and make sure that every pump and every aerator is hooked up. Um, we had to shut down the whole building when the power would go out here, we can stay open, continue. And it, they would never even know um, other than the power going out for a second, but they would have no idea um, because every tank is backed up on a generator. So it's just, I mean, it's designed to make life 
easier. We always joke that we're like a bunch of old women who are like, we, we used to have to walk uphill in the snow both ways. And they're, they're probably so sick of us. Yeah, barefoot, right? Um, so I know they get sick of hearing that all the time, but we like to remind them that they got it pretty good um, with this new building, but we want them to have a good we never really had it bad either. We're just yeah, dramatic. It's all reciprocal too. Like they have it better and then we have it better with this fancy new building. And, and we loved our old home, but it's like we have a post-tension slab with a bunch of um, humongous cables running the length right. of the building to make sure we're nice and strong. Uh, we don't have to depend on the dunes like we did at the old science center. Our glasses. Uh, sea turtle safe we're rated up to a category four storm to stay safe so so in us giving them safety we have safety too and that reciprocity I think is always going to be uh, magic so with our new home we got a lot of help and we got to give that help to the next layer your connection and relationship with not only this community you know, it's like the tide, there's a, there's a very great beach community, Tybee community here, but then there's, you know, the Savannah area, then there's coastal Georgia. I mean, you know, the community sort of love just keeps going out and out and out. You guys are so involved in the community. It's, it's not just about what's happening inside the walls here at this wonderful, beautiful facility. I know Beth, if you want to speak to this a little bit about the community involvement and and a lot of great activities that are coming up and a lot of ways people can get involved with what you all are doing. Yeah, so we definitely try to get out in the community, not only bringing schools and Girl Scouts and the public here, but also getting out to those school nights and those different community events. In fact, uh, next month in October, we'll be Pirate Fest here on Tybee. And we will be uh, participating in that as well as having some fun pirate activities here at the center throughout the weekend. Uh, we'll also have a, a trick-or-treat event for Halloween next month, a little Sea Monsters theme. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> We're fun. Oh, and Beth has so made good. us fun. I think Allie and I are <laughs> as cool and fun as Beth is and. That's why we're a good team. Like she brings the fun. She makes she makes us mix and mingle. She makes us mix and mingle, and we want to be our little introverted selves. Do it, yeah. Yeah, Allie and I at events we used to just like stand in the corner with each other. other Yeah, and I think people would be surprised by that, and because Beth is is more soft spoken, but she is the more social of the three of us, and. Thank goodness, because she brings awesome events to the Science Center. She gets us out into the field teaching, and that's how we can be a part of the community. And it's something that she has worked really hard on for the past year in our new positions to get us out and um, in the community. And then I, when people come here, I want to be a good host. I want them to feel our hospitality because this is a beautiful new thing for all of Tybee and all of Savannah and the entire coastline. This isn't just ours. Um, We don't think like that. So it's absolutely about sharing it. And so, yeah, thank goneness Beth is (laughs) fun. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) Uh, But also November we'll be celebrating a well week, um, which is, about celebrating and educating about the North Atlantic right well and most endangered wells in the world. They come to here our coast during the winter months to have their babies. Um, so we like to teach about them, get out in the community, um, to connect with 
people of all ages, not just students, but also adults and families. Um, so stay tuned for those upcoming events and become members and you'll get a newsletter about all these cool events coming up as well. Yeah, that's a great way to do it, really. So you can just keep up to date with every single, you know, everything that happens. The I'd love for you guys to speak a little bit to the, the right whale exhibit that's coming. And this is a huge, huge deal. And there is such a learning opportunity here. Um, and it's all happening this year, like as uh, towards yeah. December. And we're going to see more. And it's going to be amazing. It's amazing for a few reasons. Um, one, because the plight of the right whale is so devastating right now. We always say that they're the right whale to hunt, and this is why they were named that. This is how their numbers began to become depressed. But now our exhibit's going to focus on why they're going to be the right whale to save. And so if no action and no stewardship has been taken soon, we are surely going to see the... Um, extinction of the North Atlantic right whale. And so this is a behemoth of an animal that you're never going to see us have in captivity. We don't believe in bringing these really intelligent marine mammals into captivity. And it's a bizarre animal in anatomy. So I don't mean to say that because he probably thinks I look weird too. <laughs> I'm an alien to him. He's an alien to right. me. But uh, their face is bizarre. Their head is one third of their body. So imagine if, you know, our head was that large on our body. And so it's going to be a moment that we can interpret this awesome animal, what its baleen looks like, what the tongue looks like, touch the callosity, look that individual in the eye. And then we're doing it in the same way that we do with our live animal exhibits. The exhibit will be modeled after smoke and smoke is an individual that is alive in nature. She is our adoptive right whale and she has had three calves in the Southeast. And so we follow her like a bunch of, you know, fangirls and groupies. Um, so we are her biggest fans and we are building our smoke and, the next best part of that is that the Joy Davis I mentioned, who helped and was always there for the moves on her vacation, is building our whale. Wow. She's an artist, and that is her um, skill and specialty. And so on the south of, end of the island right now in a garage, which is totally tidy and so awesome, we have the smoke shop, the smoke studio Ooh. where smoke is being constructed by Joy Davis. And so we have passerbys um, coming in to see smoke being constructed. And um, so that will be a new exhibit coming in um, at the end of the year. And it'll be one of the largest exhibits that we've had to date. And so what a great life. She and I will look at each other sometimes and be like, is this real? <laughs> like, this is our life now. We get to build beautiful displays and get to teach about the right whale and and we're always converting everyone. She's had a lot of interest in artists downtown wanting to pitch in and help. And she and I think that we're moles and we're actually there to educate them about right whales. <laughs> but it takes a community as it always has with the Science Center and a village. And so that's going to be a huge development for us. Uh, how do you guys keep track of smoke? Like, how do you know where where they're going? How can you how can you watch all of that? So right whales have um, callosities on their body. So it's um, it's think of 
lice that's going to, on their calluses where their hair would grow, they have lice that grows on. So it's big white patches um, all over their body. And if you were to put like a magnifying glass, you would see all these little individual lice that are growing on them. It's not harmful to them, but each one's like their fingerprint. Um, you're not putting like real tags on them. It's not real time data, um, but there is photo identification that's constantly going on. So um, DNR will be flying over, um, New England Aquarium will be flying over and taking pictures of them as they're making these um, even just up north, but as they're making their travel down and she's coming down to, you know, Georgia and Florida to, to have her babies, they're taking aerial photos. And then there's a big catalog that they go back in and then you can keep track of who is who based on that. So it's photo identification based on their anatomy instead of, you know, trying to go out and put a tracker on them. You can't really do that um, with marine mammals. They're constantly sloughing their skin. Um, so if you were to ever put some sort of tag on, it would just fall off, you know, pretty quickly. Um, but luckily they have those individual little fingerprints just like us. So we're able to keep up with them that way. That's fantastic. Yeah. I wonder if she feels like, you know, one of the royal family members, you know, like she, was she is a royal family. Tracking, <laughs> right? Just she tracking. has a very well-known family oh, and Chantel that. actually helped to pick her out as our adopted well um, and end up finding out what her history is. She's very fancy. And, and it was in the days, I mean, this is another good point to the growth of the Science Center. I was one of our first full year educators. It wasn't a thing that we could do and stay on. Allie was our second. You know, it was, wasn't was an ability we had. So I pulled a cashier shift at the Science Center um, during that first winter. And it was at that cashier station that I picked Smoke. And I picked her because her lineage is awesome. So she's a very fancy um, descendant of an individual named Phoenix. Phoenix is in model uh, in the Sant Ocean Hall at the Smithsonian. So hanging in D.C. is her mother. Nice. No big deal. In one right. of the most prestigious museums of all time. And it is her full body, whereas we will have just the first third of Smoke's body. But that is one of her um, daughters, Smoke. And they're all named kind of uh, in affiliation with each other. So Phoenix um, had been entangled and she rose out of the pyre uh, as the Phoenix. Her and man. so Smoke, her colostides look like smoke signals. And oh. so... Smoke and Phoenix go together. Smoke has a daughter named Fuse. And so there's all of this association. And the matriarch of um, that family is Stumpy. So Stumpy is Phoenix's mother, uh, our Smoke's grandmother. And she is um, an individual who is really productive. And so they call her a matriarch because she had a lot of right whale babies so she had seven before she died. She also was killed by one of the main causes of death for right whales. They get entangled in fishing gear and they get hit by large container ships. And so um, she unfortunately died getting hit by a container ship in North Carolina. And she still had her fetus in utero. So mm. she is in on display in Raleigh with her fetus inside also displayed with her. Wow. So such a poignant um, display, such an awesome female. She was named Stumpy because she had a part of her fluke missing. And so 
that was from a ship strike as well. These uh, propellers on these massive container ships are, are, are huge and it takes them 30 minutes to stop. And right whales are very elusive and they don't have a back fin to kind of show off. We also have murky water down here. And so, um, yeah, she's from a really fancy family. So we picked her on purpose and we hope, uh, that now with three family members uh, in the family tree being in museums, we can, again, help a call to action for right whales by anthropomorphizing them a little bit. And we don't do that often, but I think it really does help create that connection. So if a human is looking at that family tree that we'll have up of Smoke's family, they're like, oh, my God she's got a grandmother and she's got kids and da, da, da. she's just like us, right? Let me protect her. Let me help her. I used to always tell these stories about the right whales to my sister and she'd be like, stop telling me your sad whale stories. <laughs> and it's because it's touching. Yeah. Um, and there's a film called the last of the right whales. And they really um, use that as a theme and tool to drive the passion to care. Yeah. And so we're going to play on that a little bit and, and show how awesome Smoke is and her family. I think another thing we're really excited about with that exhibit, too, is when you go into those other museums, obviously, like I said, we're a little different, right? We can see those bones of those animals and really appreciate them, but not everyone can. Some people just look at a skeleton and think, oh, that's another you know, dead animal. It's just another skeleton. And they don't think of it as an individual swimming around and, and marine mammals, especially having... Um, high intelligence, um, having emotions and, um, unlike some of our other animals, but they're still very important. All of them are very important. Um, uh, but our exhibit is going to be different because it's not bones, right? You're going to see her head. You're going to touch the baleen. And I think that's another reason we're really excited about it is because we've talked about doing bones. We thought about the exhibit, you know, many different ways and how we could do it. And I think we all kind of agreed that letting them see what it looks like, what she looks like alive and swimming around, because that's, She's not the right whale to hunt, right? She is the right whale to save. So let's let them fall in love with, with her. Because if you look at the bones of a whale or even just a picture of a right whale, they, they look funny. They do. Um, baleen whales look funny. I always say they look kind of upside down because their heads are so large and their eyes are so low. Um, and so it'll be fun to let people touch her and see her and, and kind of fall in love that way instead of just looking at a skeleton. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Uh, I would imagine, you know, I, I you guys should put a camera up when people walk in and, right. and when the exhibit's up just to get that first reaction is it going is, to be amazing awe-inspiring she's massive um she's as big as a school bus and right. how we'll do the last two-thirds of her body is as a mural in a one-point perspective kind of looking as if she's disappearing into the wall but such a huge opportunity to use um her as a teaching tool and um yeah we hope that people will feel as we do about the impression that it will give. Now we do have a model of Smoke when she was one year old. We have an inflatable and it has the same callosity patches as Smoke does. So oh. Smoke, Smoke as a baby, I guess, uh, gets out into the community. She goes to these different schools and different community events and uh, helps to teach people about right whales and their importance. So that, that one is when she was one. Mm -hmm. And how old will she be in this exhibit? So true to her age now. 
think she's like 24 right now. And 24, 25. Wow. Yeah. She's 24, 25. Which is huge as a right whale. She's, she's a bit around the block. Okay. She's been around the block and she's had three calves of her own. And um, I, we hope to make her a bit of a celebrity. Like Beth is saying, we take uh, her calf model out into the field and we call it smoke sightings and smoke goes to school. And so um, it's Tybee's whale. I mean, I think she'll be a big deal. I think everyone will soon feel like we did when she was spotted last winter um, with the calf. Um, and they'll feel like I, the emotion that I had um, last year, we received footage from Clearwater Aquarium. They put a GoPro on her. And of course, like Ali said, they're high contact. They're always touching each other. They always have wimpy skin like we do. You can't uh, glue something to it and our skin's going to handle it. So we had a GoPro that they put on her. And so for the first time I watched Smoke move, I've always seen still pictures of her in the catalog that she, uh, Allie explained and what an emotion it was to study an animal for so long and then get to see it move. And I hope that everyone on Tybee and in Savannah and along our coastline feels that um, when we see Smoke next. So um, that's the point to care to, to influence that care for the animal. And I think uh, it's going to be impactful. We all cried when Smoke had our last baby. We all did like a big group hug and like oh, cried talking yeah, about it. And the, the, the it was her fourth. Yeah, yeah fourth. Her fourth. Yeah. yeah. Wow. She yeah. is royalty already. She's royalty. Wow. And I mean, we like to hug and put a, <laughs> put a whale also, whale happiness on top of that. It's <laughs> just, yeah, better. it's even better. I mean, we probably did like a little sway. I'm surprised we didn't dance by the moonlight also. <laughs> but I'll take it. I would rather be that person. <laughs> there you go, right? I know we're going to talk a lot about, uh, you know, what, what are the action items for listeners as we go along this podcast and other episodes. Um it's, it, let's just maybe talk about the right whale. What's an action item people can do? Um, what can we do to help be more protective? And, and you know, learning obviously is a, is a big, big key. And you guys are going to be delivering so much of that education. But, you know, for maybe folks who aren't in Georgia or in, in the area, what, what can they do? I think looking at your legislation, um, I think biologists and uh, vets always make best friends, I say, but also policymakers because um, you can look at what policies are going through for the North Atlantic right whale. And, and we're all voters. And so that can be a way that you can help the North Atlantic right whale is through policy change. Another um, thing that you can do to help North Atlantic right whales is what you eat. We are what we eat. And um, unfortunately, right whales are impacted by our fisheries. And so um, knowing what companies are trying to be avant-garde in what their fishing gear looks like. So right now we're seeing a lot of the fishermen change to remotely operated fishing gear that can be detached via an app on their phone. So if an, an animal is entangled within that fishing line, um, they can release it from them to help them uh, get out of that entanglement. It seems crazy to think that a right whale can run into some fishing gear, but they carry it for years sometimes. Oh, the wow. weight of entanglement is what we say, and, and they can carry this for years, and it can be 
going through their mouth, right? They don't have great thumbs like we do. They do have those bones in their flipper, but they need to swim fast. So they've adapted to have a full flipper around those bones. So we're lucky. We have scissors. Um, They don't have any of these things, right, to help them get disentangled. And so that is um, looking at what you eat and who you're getting that food from. And so we have some Black Sea bass fishermen down south here um, that are really kind of being avant-garde in that and, and buying fish from them, that kind of stuff that we can do on a daily basis. That's fantastic. And of course, um, I know the community is so excited about uh, those who can see you guys out somewhere and, and be a part of what you're doing. And what, what are you guys most excited about for the rest of the year as, as we get into, I can't believe it's almost the end of September. Um, what are you guys most excited about? I'm excited for the whale exhibit. Yeah. That'll be a lot of hard work kind of coming to a culmination. Um, I'm excited for the staff to have a little break. We're literally coming off of our busy season, right? And and the season doesn't end anymore on Tybee like it used to in our early days. And so um, I'm anxious for the team to have the time to be rejuvenated. Um, I don't want to glorify the hustle that we did all those years. I want to have our staff have balance in life. And um, we always joke that we, you know, it's been blood, sweat and tears for the Science Center but I, I want our staff to be well-rested because what we do is very passionate. It's very energetic and it can be exhausting. And so um, I'm excited for them to have a break over the holidays and to get rejuvenated. And then um, we start planning again in January and then Allie starts training again in February. And so also cleaning really dorky <laughs> stuff like that. I know organizing. I love it. Um, it like a good cleaning situation. Exactly. The off yes. season. I'm always like, and we'll do that in the winter. And That's it's right. like uh, organizing our shed downstairs, yes. really silly things. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can think of things like that because we're not racking our brain with is Ike happy is, is Westy being well-fed. We know that we trust that because our staff has been properly trained to do it. So um, those are weird things I'm excited for. I love that. I love that. <laughs> the school time is also an exciting time for us here because it gets us back into our sidewalk to the C program. So it's our Title I schools in Chatham County. Um, we'll have some of them come out to us. Um, the point is to get them access to come out here. These kids have grown up in Savannah. And I've never been to the beach just because they, they can't get out here. They just don't have the, the ability and the access to do it. And so we give them a free field trip out here um, and let them walk on the beach and see the big water, as they call it, um, and see their faces and just love. Um, I was teaching a sidewalk group this morning, actually, and it made me so happy when I was done. When the educators came up to me and said, those kids were loud. And they said, those kids were excited. Um, there's a difference in being loud and, you know, disrespectful. I was like, that's not what that was. I was like, they were so excited to put their hands in a container of dock animals that we had collected that morning. Um, and so I, I know for all three of us that that program is really near and dear to our hearts. And I think sometimes it's kind of the program that when we ever feel tired and I mean, it's the one that's like, this is why we do this for these kids because they remember and they remember you every single year. They'll be like, we saw you last year. Um, So we didn't have that during COVID, Um, you know, everything shut down. So it's really fun to have them back. And we started it back again last year, but this year we're going in with nine schools. I think last year we did seven. So 
for me, I love um, when we get back into the sidewalk program. So school groups are always a fun time. Yeah, I used to say when we moved into the new building that we were given this beautiful new skeleton, right? And then we spent the first few months with IKEA and the infrastructure and the plumbing, giving it systems, giving it guts. And then um, we started hiring staff and we started collecting animals and that's who we are. And then getting the students back was our soul. It's why we do what we do and it's what we love to do. And so... Yeah, our soul is back. I feel like for the first time in a while since the pandemic, we've big, we're back to normal, you know, and, and what a gift and a beautiful new home. But yeah, it's the kiddos that give us our soul and make this building what it is. And so we're there. We're back. Watch out. Better than ever. <laughs> Hold on for the ride. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Last question. I know a lot of people uh, would love to to do something and give something. Uh, donations always welcome here. Um, how about volunteering? You know, uh, that's something that I know a lot of young people might want to get involved in and, and say, "Hey, what can I do? I'd love to show up." <laughs> so yeah, our biggest need for volunteers is to help in our galleries, helping to interact with the public coming through, helping with the touch tank, making sure the kids or adults are not doing anything crazy with those animals and interpreting when so we can send our educators out in the field for those educational programs. Um, just helping us create more connections because we can only be in so many places. So having those extra volunteers, extra people that have that passion like we do they're wanting to learn more and they're learning more while they're here and sharing that knowledge and passion with the people that come in here to visit us and uh, check out our coast. So we have on our website a little um, button to help volunteer with us. You have to be 18 years old because we are at kind of this interesting intersection of water and electricity in a building that's full of aquariums and um, so you do have to be 18 years old, but we have tons of volunteers and, and they tell us they love it. So we would love the extra help. Um, so you can go to our website and find that, uh, form to fill out, to join the team. We also have a group of volunteers. Um, the volunteership for the sea turtle project is closed because we happen to have the largest volunteer base for the entire coastline. And so we have 100 volunteers for that. Uh, we're at the end of our sea turtle nesting season. So come on and join us. And you can find that on our webpage. Also email us, call us. Our email address is Ike at Tybee Marine Science. Our sea turtle is our email address. So it <laughs> gives you a little insight into what kind of people we are. <laughs> we're going to learn more about Ike on the very next episode. Um, so check that out. Um, it's going to be quite an exciting time. I know you guys have a big, big weekend going on with Ike. So uh, you'll get all the details on the very next episode. Chantal Odron, Beth Palmer, Allie Williford, uh, investigators, educators, and coastal Georgia heroes. You're going to hear more about these wonderful things all throughout this podcast. I'm excited. This is going to be a great podcast. Thank you all. Thank, Thank you. you. 
From the beach to the marsh, from the ocean to the rivers and creeks, from the islands to the mainland to the classroom, this is your authentic coastal experience with Tybee Marine Science Center. We provide year-round programs for visitors, residents, and learners of all ages. You'll find us on Tybee Island at North Beach, beachside of Fort Screven. Join us in developing caring and responsible protection of coastal Georgia's natural resources. You can help us today by becoming a member. Your membership support helps fund conservation programs and assist with program fees for low-income groups. Visit TybeeMarineScience.org to learn more about becoming a member. Our volunteer opportunities are there and information about our sea camp, our coastal kids ocean adventure, and all of the cool merch available in our discovery shop. Thank you for sharing this episode with another curious learner. Grab your membership at TybeeMarineScience.org and follow us on social. Together through education and conservation, we can make a difference.